Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Also, follow us everywhere on social at DIY Money Podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to check out the video on YouTube. We've got some awesome bonus content there. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome to the show. It's DIY Money. DIY Money. There we go. We got it down, Daniel. We're doing well. Yeah, got it. Where can people follow us, interact with us, see what's going on between episodes? Well, I think you all should definitely jump on the YouTube page. We got the Money Minutes uploaded on there now. If you're not Um, watching the YouTube page. If you're not watching the YouTube right now, definitely check it out. Uh, DIY Money on YouTube. You'll be able to see all our Money Minutes in there. You'll be able to see the previous episodes and get to see our faces. Not just see, you know. Oh, these guys are super smart. And then also DIY Money Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Mm -hmm. DIY Money Podcast on Instagram. uh, All those places delivering really quality in one minute or less uh, educational pieces about money, investing, retirement, savings, yeah, finance. All the things. All the things. And there's some motivational stuff on there, a little bit more about ourselves. And yeah, check it out. DIY Money Podcast. It's awesome. What's going on in your world? You know, I just, you know, get into football season. I love Kentucky football, love the Green Bay Packers. And then I... wait. <laughs> Kentucky football and Green Bay Packers. Yeah, yeah. Did you I grew see, up in Green Bay? So my grandparents grew up in Green Bay. So we would go to games at Lambeau Field. Love Lambeau Field. That's so, in your blood. It's in my blood. Yeah. You know I grew up in Chicago. I know. You're not a Bears fan though, so it's fine. I'm not not a Bears fan. The Bears. The Bears. Name two players on the Bears. Current? Yeah. Uh moving on. <laughs> But and then also, I just joined another. This is my second time playing uh, sand volleyball team. So we're going to be playing some sand volleyball in the fall. Yeah, they it's um, a place that does indoor sand volleyball. So it's pretty fun. I love it. Seems like a lot of work to bring sand indoors. It's there. I didn't have to do it. No bucket and pail. That's cool. Yeah. Anyhow. <laughs> All right. Well, we have a very detailed question today. So let's get to Jennifer and see what she's got. D-I-Y! Hi, guys. I'm Jennifer from New Mexico, and my question is about stocks and taxes from selling. So a little backstory. I'm a student and have about four semesters left of my bachelor's and master's in engineering, and I'm currently debt-free due to scholarships and some help from my parents' 529. I also should be able to graduate debt-free. I have about a semester's worth of savings, which comes to $15,000 and some additional funds if need be. I also just started a Roth IRA and have put $3,000 into there for 2020 contributions. During the March 2020 crash, I had about $26,000 in extra scholarships and whatnot that I invested into a Robinhood account. It is currently very diversified, but also up 75% and is now around $41,000, not all of which is year old. I currently do not see the need of using this money within the next four to five years, if not more. Since I am studying to become an engineer, have summer internships to pay over $20 an hour and a graduation job rate of 97% with an average starting salary of $65,000, I'm wondering what I should do. I also know it may become a lot in taxes, so should I just leave it there, sell and move to a savings, or put as much into my Roth IRA as possible? Any advice would be a huge help. Just started listening in the last month or so and really love it. Thanks, guys. Jennifer's killing it. Jennifer just basically said, guys, I'm awesome. So tell me what I can do more awesome, but I'm awesome already. Jennifer, what are you doing to me here? You're doing your thing. Yeah. She is crushing it. She is. And she knows her stats. Yeah, she does. Graduation rates and 
expected salaries and I like that's him. good engineering with the masters Woo! one of the things that stood out to me I mean we we can just kind of summarize a little bit she's about two years left of school um, she has about fifteen thousand dollars saved up it sounds like kind of an emergency fund mm-hmm. um, debt free just contributed to a Roth IRA so I got a kind of a question for you about that um, she's diversified she has about forty one thousand dollars into a Robinhood account, that sounds like, taxable Robinhood account. Yeah, with a basis around 20... Well, we don't know, don't know if she sold anything along the way, but it sounds like mm-hmm. her basis was 26000 Right. And it's now 41000 in value, which right. means if she were to sell it, the difference between her basis and the current value, if she sold everything that was in it, the difference between the basis and the current value would be taxable. Mm-hmm. Uh, short-term gains if she held it less than a year. Long-term gains if she held it for over a year. Right. Good. And then um, one of the questions I had... When, when we were going through that and just hearing what she was saying is she said she contributed $3,000 to her Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. Now you have to have earned income in order to contribute to a Roth IRA. So she may be working somewhere, maybe yep. have the internship that she talked about, something like that. One of the questions I do have though, is if she got scholarships mm-hmm. over and above what the cost of school would be. So say she, you know, got $20,000 in scholarships. They, her tuition cost 10,000. Mm-hmm. Would that $10,000 difference count as earned income? Or does that not count as earned income? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure off the top of my head if it would count as earned income. My gut would say it's not earned income. Okay. It's income, but it's not earned income. So, for instance, you're not paying like FICA on it mm. um, or anything like that. So, uh, it doesn't seem like... It'd be like if you gave your 8-year-old a gift... They don't have earned income. They can't put that into a Roth. It's not, you know, in, in any way, shape, or form earned income. Right. Uh, they have to like go out and have a legitimate job somehow. Uh, you can't pay them for chores. Uh, now they could go mow lawns and set up a business and things like that and have earned income uh, to some extent. Uh, but yeah, just um, something that's more along the lines of like gifts, things like that, mm-hmm. uh, are not earned income. So uh, maybe she's you know got a hustle on the side, an internship, you know, does some work at the school, something like that. Uh, to where she does have earned income, but yeah, that'd be an important point to, you know, understand that it is on you to make sure that you have qualifying income before mm-hmm. uh, contributing to a retirement account. Yeah, and again, you have to have at least, you know, if she put three thousand in, she had to earn at least three thousand mm-hmm. dollars. The max at her age is six thousand. So if she earned up to six thousand, then she could put six thousand dollars into that Roth IRA. Yes, gotcha. All right, so dive a little bit deeper into that 41,000 that she has and, and kind of what you see there, if you see if there's some potential strategies, things like that. Yeah. So it sounds like, uh, she chucked a bunch of extra money into an investing account, which is actually phenomenal. Um, there's a lot of times when we sit down and do planning with people and, uh, they have extra money. They don't really need it for some period of time. Like they don't have a goal yet. It's so it's sort of, um, you know, Hey, we want to have this money available sometime down the road. But we don't really need it in the next one to three to five years. So we just chucked it into a savings account until the time comes that we need it. And that sounds logical. And we often say, you know, if you need this money in less than five years, probably keep that in cash. But there's a lot of instances you get into uh, that sometimes people just find themselves with extra funds available for various reasons. For Jennifer, that was, you know, just extra money floating around from school stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And just sort of chucking it into a savings account in that instance when 
when you don't have a goal to associate it that's under five years, sometimes doesn't make sense because then what you're effectively doing is just being like, okay, I'm just not going to worry about that money um, for the time being. I'm, I'm just going to put it aside. Now, if you don't have an emergency fund, that's a good place for it. Uh, if you know that you're going to need something in the next five years, a car replacement, um, maintenance on house, down payment for a house, wedding, things like that, then obviously, I mean, if you have conceptual goals like, hey, I'm not dating anybody yet, but if I were to start dating somebody mm-hmm. and we got engaged, I would want to have money available for wedding. Uh, so you don't have to have a timeline on the goal, but you know, if, if you conceptually go, oh yeah, over the next five years, this might be a reality, then yes, having it in cash. But if you're kind of in Jennifer's spot where you're like, I really don't have any goals where I need this. Um, I already have an emergency fund. I'm going to be cash flowing from a job. Then why not start your sort of investing journey and continue that on? Now, for her, she's she already did that. So she chucked it into an account um, at Robinhood, it sounds like, which, I mean, it's great. Nothing against Robinhood. It's as good as any other broker. Uh, I don't know what you own. Um you know, maybe you're just in index funds. Uh, maybe you're in individual stocks, whatever that is. Uh, obviously, it's done well over the last slightly less than a year because mm-hmm. you said it's not yet been a year. But if you don't need these funds, there's no exceptional reason to mess with them from a investment management standpoint. Now, you might go, hey, I've done well. I want to take some risk off. You might go, oh, I'm really concentrated in a couple stocks because I thought it was a good idea. And I, instead, I want to own index funds. So there might be certain situations mm-hmm. that you might want to adjust it. But uh, if it's been going well for you and it's a good investment strategy and you're diversified and you don't have a goal, um, there's no particular reason to mess with it. I wouldn't... I don't think I would worry about future taxes now if you don't ha- have a goal or timeline that you want to avoid that. Yeah. Uh, the only particular reason that you might want to do that is if your income is super low right now. That's what, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. So, yeah, talk through that. Like, why would that be a good strategy? Well, it sounds like she's expecting a high income in the next two years or so. Mm-hmm. And right now, she has an extremely low income per se. Um, if she's going to school and stuff like that, she could, if it's within a year of those buying those st- specific stocks, she could sell at a very, very low tax bracket. So she could be in, you know, 10% tax bracket where she'll never see that again once she graduate, graduates and starts working full time job. Mm-hmm. Or if it's over a year, she could even qualify, depending on her income, to be in a 0% capital gains yeah. tax bracket. Yeah. So there may be an instance where, yeah, Jennifer, you look at kind of where you are today and go, uh, okay, I might as well raise my cost basis. In fact, uh, it's like two shows ago, we talked about tax loss harvesting. And this is a little different because you wouldn't be tax loss, you wouldn't be offsetting it with losses, mm-hmm. but you would, you could potentially sell up to the top of your current tax bracket and go, okay, I know I'm probably not going to be in this low of a tax bracket again. Realize some of those now. Wait you know, 30 days or move them into a different investment and continue to have uh, future gains on them. But you've kind of realized the tax now at a lower cost. Right. What that means is if two or three years from now you go, oh, I need those funds out, but now I'm also working or something like that, you've now uh, raised your cost basis. So the effect when you have this Sixty plus thousand dollar salary is not going to be as much. It's not that the taxes aren't going to take as much of a bite. So, um, in order to understand that fully, I would actually have to, like, if I was sitting down and doing helping somebody with this, I would want to see, you know, their investment statement. I would want to know what their tax situation looks like now, and then we would probably actually run a model of, okay, here's how your tax situation looks the first year you're working, right? And what would selling all of it during that time? But if you sold, you know, 
later on and you're incurring what $15,000 in gains, uh, long-term gains at say a 15% uh, tax rate, and you could potentially realize those now at a 0% tax rate, that's, yeah. it could be a good reason. So I would do the math, Jennifer, and just see if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I think that she has a lot of opportunity. She's killing it. She has, you know, opportunity to go into a, a different areas and things like that. Mm-hmm. What I would encourage her to do is make sure that when she gets into that new job, sounds like she'll do this already, but evaluate different options for 401k investment, for maybe even utilizing a Roth 401k through her job because engineers traditionally are going to have high salaries into their earning years in 30s and 40s and stuff like that. So maybe utilizing a Roth early on in her career would be very beneficial for her. Yeah, that's awesome. And for those of you uh, listening in on YouTube, let us know in the comments when you are selling something in your taxable investing account, do you consider taxes before you do it? Do you consider uh, where it is or do you just go, hey, I need the money or I want to rebalance or diversify? Do you just kind of ignore taxes? So let us know. Do you consider taxes before you sell or do you just primarily ignore them? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for sending your question in. She sent in an audio question and is going to get a $25 Amazon gift card. Thank you all so much, Daniel. It's been great being with you here today. I hope everybody has a good one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.